Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. With more than 15 million Americans getting surgery each year, according to the American College of Surgeons, it's no surprise that physicians are always looking for ways to improve the process. For example, hip replacement surgeries are one of the most common procedures in the U.S. And though rubber and even ivory were initially used as implants, surgeons now work with high-tech robots and materials to make the procedure so good, it's been dubbed the operation of the century. Hundreds of thousands are done every year in the United States because hip arthritis is so common, probably millions every year in the world. And it's one of the most successful operations that man has ever developed. Very high success rate, but a relatively low complication rate. That's Dr. George Heidekevich, Director of Orthopedic Trauma and Chief of Complex Joint Replacement at Orlando Health Jewett Orthopedic Institute. He says that many of the improvements over the last several decades have been centered around the materials that are used for replacements. Ceramics and titanium can now last 20 to 25 years if implanted accurately. However, a more recent innovation is technology that tells the surgeon exactly where to put the new hip, like a GPS for surgery. To achieve this precision, Heidekevich uses AI. We're able to simulate for patients for their own specific anatomy where the best place to put that hip is. We're not able to do that before. We would assume that a certain positioning of the hip would work for everybody. And we found out that's not true. Some of those patients would have a leg length problem or a dislocation. So now we can simulate with AI by inputting some of your x-rays. The, the software will tell us if you're, say, a yoga instructor or a golfer or you like to play pickleball, that your hip has to be put in, in a certain position to the degree. And it'll tell me exactly where I should put it so you can avoid a dislocation. Then the navigation helps me hit that number accurately. Heidekevich says this new technology is crucial for success because even the most advanced replacement won't work properly if it's put in wrong. So you can imagine you could buy the best tire you can for your car, but if it's not mounted right, it's going to wear prematurely, right? doesn't matter how much you spend on the tire, it has to be put in right. This new technology allows surgeons to be more accurate than ever before, and it's quick. Heidekevich says they feed the patient's x-ray into the program five minutes before the procedure. The computer analyzes your spine, your pelvis, all the anatomic variability, and we type in the type of implant we want to put in you, and it'll tell us where to put it. It's really neat. You know, before we used to guess on what we thought the best position was, now it can tell us that it needs to be 17 degrees in this direction and 41 degrees in the other direction. Then the AI program will even let the surgeon know in real time when they've properly placed the material. The technology is involved in each step of the way to make sure each patient leaves with the best possible outcome. Heidekevich has been using it for just over a year, and even though he's been performing this surgery for more than 25 years, he says it's made him a better surgeon. It makes you more accurate, and that's great for my patients. I love it. Now I'm addicted to it. I can't go without it. And hip replacements aren't the only surgery that's gotten a technological upgrade. 
Another invaluable innovation that's making waves in pediatric care is 3D printing. Dr. Thomas Colon is the chief of urology at Children's Hospital of Philadelphia and is an expert in pediatric genital disorders as well as renal, bladder, and prostate cancers. During one of his weekly meetings, a radiologist revealed that she had been successfully using 3D models in cardiac surgeries, which got Colon thinking about his own needs. And I said, Sue, do you, you know, do you think that we could do something for that with a kidney model? Because I knew that I had a case coming up of a uh, patient of mine who had already had a kidney removed on one side, so we're dealing with a solitary kidney. So we really wanted to save as much as possible. Childhood cancers can present differently than the adult ones many of us are familiar with. For example, a Wilms tumor is the most common kidney cancer in kids, but is extremely rare in adults. Kidney tumors in adults are usually renal cell carcinoma. Most of those tumors are a little bit more of what we call exophytic, meaning hanging off the kidney. Surgically removing the tumor and following it up with chemotherapy has proven to be really successful against Wilms tumors. But there still aren't any prevention methods. In fact, some kids who are more susceptible to forming kidney tumors will develop another tumor in the other kidney. Because of this risk, surgeons have begun to do organ-sparing surgery, which means they try to save as much of the kidney as possible instead of removing the entire organ. But it's not as simple as it sounds. These tumors you know, start out extremely large and are extremely invasive. And there's a lot of critical structures in these little kiddos in the kidney and nearby to the kidney. We don't want to think of pediatric patients as just little adults because they're not and they have very different problems. And we approach disease processes and certainly approach surgery in a different manner than we would adults. And so all around, that makes things a little bit more difficult. Which is why 3D printing can make a huge difference. A life-size 3D model is created from MRI scans, first as a PDF image on the computer, and then as a handheld model that Colin can practice with before operating on his patient. The bottom line to that is it allows me to, in the midst of surgery, know that I've been here already. I've already had practice with this. I already really know what to expect. And it allows us to plan beforehand. I mean, there are very few things in life that you go into without having a really good roadmap or a good plan. And it allows me to know what my approach is going to be, how far into the kidney I need to go to safely remove all of the uh, tumor and not disturb any of the other critical blood supply, really, that we need to save the rest of the kidney. One of the first times Colin used a 3D printed model was in preparation for a patient who had already had one kidney removed but then developed a tumor on the remaining one. Colin had an exact model of the patient's kidney two weeks before the surgery, able to look at every angle to find the best approach for tumor removal. Then when I was actually operating, even though I could not see all of the vasculature, I could see one part of it that I knew because I had previously had this model in my hand, that this was the arterial supply to just that part of the tumor. And I was able to early ligate that, tie that off and separate that and then really save the kidney and remove the tumor, and the patient is doing wonderfully. That was a few years ago, and Colin says the success has only grown. It allowed us to really do much more complex surgery than we ordinarily would have been able to. It really has been a game changer in that regard. We've even used it in helping to plan and change surgeries in pelvic reconstruction, cases where 
we have to reconstruct the bladder or close the bladder because the bladder is open to the skin and it's called bladder extrophy and looking at ways that we can change the pelvis and the angle. And so we can almost kind of practice, if you will. Children can be born with the urinary system, genital system, and anorectal system all connected. And in little girls, there should be three separate openings and they can all be connected and they can be at various levels and sometimes really connected just close to the skin or up much higher. And it's helpful in those cases too, because no patient is the same as the previous one. And we really need to know that anatomy as best as possible to be able to have the best outcome for the surgery. Though it used to take around two weeks to create the 3D printed version, Colin says his team has gotten it down to just a couple of days. These models have transformed cases that were previously thought to be inoperable into success stories. It's exciting research. It is exciting to go beyond the care of what we were giving before and really advance medical treatment for these patients. And it really, you know, it is life-saving and it really has been a game changer in our approach to this treatment. But just like with all discussions around AI and advancements in technology, we always have to wonder what could go wrong. What happens if an extra vein is printed into the model or the computer's coordinates are an inch off? Heidekevich says surgeons need to stay alert and recognize that these innovations are tools to enhance the operation, not lead it. If you've ever been in a car and a navigation tells you to turn left and there's a lake to your left because the inputs are old or doesn't have an updated map, we've all had navigation lead us astray. So we, the surgeon needs to be comfortable with traditional hip replacement to know when the machine isn't correct so you can question it because sometimes it's wrong and you need to recognize that it's telling you to do something that's not accurate. So I think that's a caution to all surgeons adopting the technology is double check it with your own experience to make sure where it's telling you makes sense. Heidekevich has experienced this firsthand. He unknowingly input inaccurate points for the patient's anatomy into the AI program, which then told him to place the new hip about 10 degrees off of where it should have been. And I looked at it and said, well, I can't put it there. It doesn't make sense. So then we brought in the x-ray and just checked it and verified, redid the registration, and it was correct. It's like the saying is garbage in, garbage out. If you put the wrong data in and the computer gives you an answer that's wrong, whose fault is it? So you got to have the accurate information, accurate x-ray inputs on the way in, and then it'll guide you right. Even with kinks like this one still needing to be worked out, Heidekevich believes medical technology will continue to evolve. And eventually, it will be embedded into every part of the operating room. Every drill, every saw blade we use will have some array on it to tell me what degree or how deep I'm drilling or what have you. So I think we'll have these smart tools that will allow us to still be surgeons. You know, it's not going to be some metal robot doing your surgery. There'll be a human there with their hands on the instruments, but we'll be guided with much more precision than we have been in the past. So my goal <laughs> with all of this, and if we're really looking into the future, it's really VR and AR. You know, so it's virtual reality and augmented reality. I do believe that that is the future for organ sparing surgery. Researchers have already begun to 3D print everything from bones and blood vessels to muscles and mini organs. And though none have been approved for human use just yet, these capabilities may soon change medicine as we know it. You can find more information about Dr. George Heidekevich, Dr. Thomas Colon, and all of our guests on our website radiohealthjournal.org. 
For more behind the scenes, follow Radio Health Journal on Facebook, Instagram, and X. Our writer-producer is Kristen Farah. Our executive producer is Amira Zaveri. I'm Elizabeth Westfield. Coming up next week on Radio Health Journal. I think we can talk to them about expectations because a lot of these kids are feeling pressures from places that we don't even realize. How to know when your kid is experiencing toxic stress. But first, a look at mental illness within our justice system. If you are mentally ill, if you're hearing voices or seeing visions, or if you're really paranoid, it's hard for you to comply with orders in the same way that you might be able to if you were mentally well. All that and more on Radio Health Journal. I'm Greg Johnson, host of Radio Health Journal. If you enjoy listening to Radio Health Journal, you'll also like our sister show, Viewpoints, which covers a wide array of topics from education to history to the environment. Here's a preview of what they're covering this week on Viewpoints. One of the things that is so important about science fiction is this confrontation with the present. We cover an author who's paved the way for greater diversity in science fiction. Then... They're a perfect democratic society. They take everybody's input and then they make a group decision and they thrive by each doing a little tiny bit of contribution and work. We dive into the fascinating inner workings of bees. I'm Marty Peterson. And I'm Gary Price. These stories in depth this week on your public affairs magazine, Viewpoints. And that's Radio Health Journal for this week. Follow us on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram to learn more. And check Apple Podcasts, Google Play, and Spotify for a library of past programs. Plus, you'll always find previous segments and information about our guests at RadioHealthJournal.org. Join us again next week for another edition of Radio Health Journal. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill.